Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes. That's the time of recording. It is Wednesday, January 10th, 10.47 p.m. My name is Josh Mullinex. On today's pod, it was a bad day to be a top 25 team in the sport on the road unless you have North Carolina stapled across your chest. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me, 65 to 60, and a team that we've kind of described as a break in your Big 12 schedule, like all non-conference long, beats the Kansas Jayhawks by five, UCF 65, Kansas 60. Josh, what say you? Yeah, first first Big 12 home game. How about that? Sure. Welcome oh, yeah. to the Big 12. Right. First of all, let's just give a Kansas. round of applause to the Big 12. I mean, if UCF's going to do that. Remember when we were worried about the Big 12's depth as yeah. a conference? Oh, I was definitely worried about that. All on that. Yeah. As the Big East is kind of falling apart at the top, except for UConn and the ACC is kind of meh. And the Pac-12 doesn't have anything outside of Arizona and Purdue lost. And you're not quite sure about anybody else in the Big 10. The SEC, we're about to talk about Tennessee losing. I mean, Kentucky's been good, but hasn't been maybe as impressive as you would like. And here's the Big 12. The, the biggest thing for me, you are in trouble when you don't even get 40 points from those three guys. Oh, yeah. That was the story here. It wasn't the supporting cast. Now, not like the supporting cast was phenomenal, but the supporting cast scored some points. Sometimes that doesn't even happen. Yeah, you also had El Marco Jackson play for 22 minutes and not yes. even attempt a shot. Right. right. Yes. Not not, not, not not make one, not attempt one. Yeah, the starting lineup was bad <laughs> relative to what it needed to be. And... That's now 36 turnovers, 18 apiece in Kansas' last two games. Sure. Listen, if DeJuan Harris is going to score five points, he better take care of the basketball. He better be be creating a world that we take care of the ball better than any other team in the country. Or at least run good offense. I got on Braden Smith. I've got multiple times. I've gotten on Braden Smith for this. Got to get on DeJuan Harris for it, too. Mm Mm-hmm. I know there was some foul trouble in there. They were winning this game 35 to 19 with three minutes and 20 seconds left in the first half. It's not like this was a back and forth game in the sense that, you know, UCF got out to this really good start and was just kind of trying to hang on and Kansas was surging and it was a question of whether they have enough time. No, Kansas had this game and then fell apart in an incredibly embarrassing fashion. And if you're going to hammer Purdue for losing, at Casey Tominaga Court. Sure. Which I don't know how many people are actually doing that. But every time Purdue loses, you know they're the people that like to get on Purdue. Yeah. This game was coming. I guess that's the other big thing I'll say as we start discussing. This loss has been coming. I said going into this week's games with the AP poll. I'm glad Houston jumped them because Houston looks like the better basketball team. I know Houston lost too. But that was a more understandable loss than this one. 
it's it's bizarre. But I also feel like I'm not. It's I'm not sure it's bizarre. I'm not sure it it's is bizarre. bizarre. It's weird. It's both yeah. bizarre and not bizarre at the same time. It's bizarre that a team that was so we were so sure was going to be so awesome is is not. They're just not. Like 18th at Kempom feels like they've free fallen through the floor, which is credit to what Bill Self does on a yearly basis at Kansas. But it's like, wow, Kansas isn't one of the first names you see at the you know near or at the very top of 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 the Kempom rankings. But it's just it's just not that bizarre when you tell me that Hunter Dickinson only had 12. They can lose to yeah. anybody in the country when Hunter Dickinson has 12. And like Kevin McCullough had 16 on five of 10 shooting and three of five from the three point line, 16, five, six. He had, he fouled out of this game, but played 37 minutes. So, you know, 50% from the field, 60% from the three point line, three of four from the stripe, 16, five and six. It wasn't Kevin McCullough. It's, you're right. The story of this game was, was you know, KJ Adams, Hunter Dickinson, and Dewan Harris only combined for 27 points, which isn't enough. But part of the reason that the ceiling of the can this Kansas team feels lower is because there's no there's nobody whatsoever to just step in for a game and score 13, 14 points. Like Johnny Furphy was solid nine points on four of eight shooting but like timberlake even did some good things yeah but you didn't bring nick timberlake to lawrence for him to go two of three in 10 minutes that's and not celebrated here. yeah right he was not supposed to be that he was supposed to be a starter like like you're starting el marco jackson who didn't take a shot in 22 minutes over nick timberlake I feel like it doesn't I, I don't feel like it's it's needs to be more complex than that on the right nights of course you beat anybody in the country as we've seen Kansas do this year. But I, I won't be surprised if we look up at the end of the big 12 schedule and Kansas, you know, still has won a lot of big 12 games, but they've lost two or three of these. Like that's a really interesting one to have on, to have on your schedule. Yeah. And this is also probably, we're going to have to see how this continues to go. But right now I would argue this is a very good illustration of how good of a coach Bill Self is. Think about all of the close games they've already been in. Mm -hmm. They were, had they not fallen apart, going to be the number one team in the country in the next AP poll. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at no point have they actually been impressive. But they keep finding ways to survive. And this game, mm -hmm. they didn't find that way. Huge for UCF. Ibrahima Diallo, great game. Jalen Sellers, fantastic game. Shout out to those two guys. Johnny Dawkins has been waiting for a long time for this kind of game. I mean, had that one against Duke that they almost won, but now mm -hmm. he actually gets the signature win to start their home slate of Big 12 games and big for the Big 12 as well. I mean, I don't know what else you can ask for when the worst team in your conference is beating the best team in your conference or what is the perceived the to be boy. the best program. Yeah. Sure. When you already know your depth is outstanding, you have zero wink links at this point, which is incredible. Mississippi State, 77. Tennessee, 72. Um, Dalton Connect, Zakai Ziegler. What's that? Is that 54 points? Yep. 
on 19 of 33 shooting, 8 of 18 from the three-point line. You want to know how much the rest of the team had? Well, my quick math is telling me somewhere in the ballpark of 18 points from the, rest, from the rest of the dudes in orange tonight in Starkville. I tried to celebrate that really good 90-point performance when Dalton Connect wasn't very good. Mm, you tried really hard. I tried I really it. hard. I tip it. I tip it. And, uh, did, well, first of all, did I think that was a thing that was going to happen every game? Of course not. Sure. But, boy, did they back off of that real quickly. Hit the brakes. Because, uh, okay, the first half is one thing. Because Dalton Connect had two points. Sakai Ziegler mm-hmm. kept him in the game. But you and I are in agreement. Zakai Ziegler carrying your offense is not a sustainable way to have success. As good as he is and as well as he's playing right now. But you get him playing well and Dalton Connect going berserk in the second half. Now, of course, they got back into the game and had it to a point where they easily could have won. It was a one possession that player we'll talk about in a minute here made a big play. Just somebody do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody. Outside of those two guys. Only 27 total field goals. 19 of them came from two guys. And the interesting thing is, Mississippi State got everything from two guys, too. And it was the rest of Mississippi State's team that was good enough to beat Tennessee, which I don't really have anything... I don't have anything super declarative to say on the back of that, but the two box scores actually look pretty similar yep from a there are two numbers that jump out to you immediately on the tennessee side it's dalton connect and zakai ziegler on the mississippi state side it's tolu smith and then off the bench it's josh hubbard those two guys go 15 of 25 from the field combined obviously you know two different games between those two guys hubbard's five of ten from the three-point line and they combine for 48 and the rest of the bulldogs give them enough to to use that as a, a jumping pad to uh, to get this one. And we've mentioned this at least once, kind of waiting for Tolu Smith to come back, waiting for Tolu Smith to get integrated, that they can just hang on. They've got an important piece coming back. And boy, did you see it in this game as he's finally getting himself back into the starting lineup. He makes the big play that ultimately decides the game with that three-point play. He was really good. And there's talent here. This is a good basketball team when you have all the pieces there. And mm-hmm. they did enough to at least keep themselves in the conversation. Now you have a signature win. Question is, can you do enough game in, game out in the SEC? So jury's definitely still out, but obviously this is big early, relatively early in the Chris Jans era mm-hmm. to get this kind of win, to put yourself in this kind of position. The other thing I want to mention on Tennessee, can't fall into lazy narratives and traps here. They've scored at least 60 in every single one of their games. Two of their four losses, they've scored over 70. Sure. They've been better offensively uh, in SEC play than defensively yeah. at Kempom. Yeah, They're middle of the pack in the SEC right now on defense. I know they're still one of the top teams in the country overall defensively sure. in Kempom. Yes. Maybe that changes. They're still a great defensive team. But when the offense is still vulnerable... And your defense is not consistently holding teams to 60 points. Sometimes you're going to lose in the 70s in the SEC 
when every team has a really good player that can go win an individual matchup like Tolu Smith and has guys like Josh Hubbard who can come in and have this kind of game. Mm -hmm. So I'm not worried about Tennessee at all. If anything, this is continuing to make me more confident in their formula for success in the NCAA tournament. But you're going to lose some of these games if you're not always consistently defensively. And yeah, they, they've struggled in SEC play. That's something Rick Barnes has to figure out because that's part of the formula here. Because 48 points from two guys should be enough with the mm -hmm. way they play defense. Yeah. Now, they also should have had more than 72 points when you get 48 from two guys. Sorry, not 48. 54. 54. Thank 48 you. from the Mississippi State guys. Yes, thank you. I would say that's not right. Yeah, 54. 18 from the... The rest of your team needs to score 20 points. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that is part of the, the thing to watch here is what's going on defensively. I'm a, I'm a little worried about Tennessee's ability to beat good basketball teams a little bit. A little bit. Sure. They beat Illinois at home. They get credit for that win. They beat Wisconsin on the road on November 10th. Okay. Um, but Purdue, they lose to. Kansas, they lose to. North Carolina, they lose to. In kind of three different ways. Like one of them was they didn't score enough points. The Purdue game was just kind of a they lost to Purdue in a reasonably matched college basketball game. And then North Carolina just puts up a century on them. So I'm I'm still like I'm I'm while I'm simultaneously, I think, on the same page with you when it comes to feeling like Tennessee can make it through six games in the NCAA tournament, at least it's more likely than it has been in years past. I also don't know necessarily what the go-to formula is to beat good teams. And maybe it's just Dalton connect, Dalton connect, Dalton connect. And that's certainly a big part of it, but they, they've, they, they keep losing games in, in, in different ways. And it's, it's not like there's this one thread through it. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud more than anything else. But when you look at who they've lost to, they don't have any bad losses, obviously, but they also don't have any like super impressive wins either. And I just, I, I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure what to, to make of Tennessee against the class of the country right now, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, the formula is stifling defense and it's just not that against the best teams in the country. Sure. That would be the concern for me. Because even with Dalton Connect, you're not outscoring Purdue or Kansas, probably, unless Kansas has an awful game. Sure. You're not, right? Out North Carolina can outscore you. We're going to talk about them in a second. You've got to also be able to take teams out of their element. And I think that's part of what's what stood out to me in those matchups and in this game is they haven't been able to do that as consistently as they need to. Mm -hmm. Speaking of UNC, North Carolina, the the class of the ACC? Question mark? Is there even a conversation at this point? Duke's at least making it somewhat of a conversation, but yeah. it's it's reversed to where I expected it to be. It's can Duke hang up with North Carolina, not can North Carolina hang with Duke? UNC, it's really hard to win on the road in college basketball this year. That's been a, a, there's been a lot of conversation about that on this particular night because of the hardships of the top 25 teams in the country on the road on January 10th. UNC 
67-54 over NC State on the road. RJ Davis, 16, Elliot Cadeau, 11 and 6. Honestly, not, I mean, nobody really blowing you out of the water with an individual performance, but just kind of get a bunch from, from everybody. Everybody in the starting lineup gets at least eight points. You get some guys making, you know, getting a, a few points off the bench. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that NC State is spectacular, especially on nights where DJ Horn and Casey Mor- Morcel are five of 28 from the field. But uh, winning on the road this year, a commodity like it always is in college basketball. And on a night where a lot of top 25 teams struggled, UNC keeps right on rolling. They're not four and zero in ACC play. Yeah, it, it was a matchup of two undefeated teams in conference play. So you got to give North Carolina that and NC state that mm-hmm. the most. Impressive- oh, absolutely. That wasn't supposed to be a yeah. shot. at. Yeah. It's also a team that, that has, you know, they don't have a bad loss. That, right. I mean, it's it certainly, but it's also a team that's 68 that came on. That was, that right. was, the, right. Right. it's right. not right. like they went in and beat Duke on the road. Right. It's uh, not a mar- was, yeah, it's not a marquee point. win, but sure. it was a match. That's why we picked this as our third game is it was a matchup of two teams that were undefeated in ACC play. Right. Most impressive statistical thing that happened in this game is that Harrison Ingram grabbed 19 rebounds. That's the kind of game it was. <laughs> mm. A lot and- of missed shots. Yeah, 26.9% from the field for the Wolfpack. Yeah, the the story was, again, North Carolina's defense. NC State, 18-67 from the field, 2-21 from three. North Carolina has not given up more than 60 points since their win over Oklahoma on December 20th. They won 81-69. I believe it was four total games, three of which were in ACC. The other one, I think, was Charleston Southern, so do what you want with that. That's correct. 105 to 60. Yeah. That one. That's an offensive powerhouse right there. So to hold that team to 60, impressive. If they're going to play defense like this, I've kind of just kept saying this, but I just find it hard to believe anybody can hold them to 58. RJ Davis is too good. Armando Baycott's too good. He's going to get four to eight points off of just offensive rebounds and being a physically imposing presence that's more dominant than your big. Hmm. Elliot Cadeau had double figures and at least five assists for the first time in his career. Hasn't been a spectacular start. You and I are both huge fans of his, so it's good to see him get going. They're just too talented off. I mean, they're not a phenomenal offensive team, usually. But they're certainly a team that... They just have too many pieces. They're very consistent because RJ Davis is going to find it. Another game, he has a bad first half, and it just doesn't matter. He gets up into the 15 to 20-point range. Yeah. If they're defending this way, they are absolutely the best team in the ACC. And I'm becoming – of the teams up near the top of the of the AP poll, they're quickly rising on the list of fewest question marks for me. Just like everyone expected with a starting backcourt of Elliott Cadeau, RJ Davis, and Cormac Ryan. A defensive powerhouse, obviously. Absolutely. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm having I'm I'm having because there there are some teams I feel really, really solid about. I've for the first time in the last like four days or so, 
and especially after what happened to Purdue last night, I've had the question of, is anybody really that good? Like, like, is anybody like, is anybody really that good? And I, yeah, like, I don't, I'm not actually saying like, I think Purdue is awesome. And I think there are other teams in the sport that are awesome, but I'm not sure there are any that are ironclad, at least not right now. UConn? <laughs> Maybe. But UConn's 40th in defensive efficiency. And we know where you're supposed to be in defensive efficiency and, if, and, you're, if you're an elite team. Now, part of that is not having Donovan Klingon available for a stretch here. Uh, yeah, I, it's not like I'm jumping all over UConn either. But UConn just keeps winning basketball games. Yeah, I mean, Yukon has given up 65, 56, 81, and 75 since they since he went down. So it's not like they've all of a sudden taken, you know, it's not like they've fallen off the, the side of a cliff necessarily, no. but... They haven't entered juggernaut mode. Yeah. But you look at the teams around them, I mean, <laughs> everybody is losing. One, two, three, five. Yeah. 48 hours. Marquette 11 is about to lose as we're speaking right now. Yeah. That one, we don't have time to discuss. So many, so many questions. So confused. Yeah. yeah. You got anything else? A couple things I want to mention quickly. I failed to give a shout out to my guy, Milan Montilovic, last night. Wanted to do that. Had a Dirk Nowitzki fade for Iowa State in that win over Houston to essentially decide the game didn't get to mention him individually so i wanted to do that kansas mm -hmm. did have some redemption tonight uh the women's team 87 66 over that baylor team that we <laughs> 48 hours ago we're talking about how they're just smoking everybody even the top 25 teams that mm -hmm. won. well they got a taste of their own medicine so kansas did get a big top five win tonight just not on the men's side and we were a Almost had to talk about Memphis losing to what is probably the worst team in the AAC at home. And then we would have had both Memphis and FAU with conference losses, and the AAC would have just been going down the drain. <laughs> but Memphis does survive. Don't have too much on the game itself. They could have easily lost and made some plays and then got a four-point play from Javon Quinterly to start overtime and kind of held on from there. But that was not inspiring. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's going to do it for the Under 8 podcast in roughly 23 minutes on Wednesday, January 10th. It is 11, 10 p.m. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you listen to your shows, follow the Under 8 pod on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, and we will see you tomorrow.